Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Market Podcast. My name is Alexander Peterson. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Roman Kanziani, Head of Investment Writing with today's market wrap-up, David Kohl, Chief Economist with the latest update on the CPI data, and Nicholas Jordan from CIO Strategy with an update on the IC meeting. So let's get started. I'll hand over to you first, Roman. Yes, good morning, everybody. Well, the number which dominated yesterday's trading session was, of course, the lower than expected consumer price inflation print for July in the US, which triggered a massive rally in risk assets. The US dollar fell against most of its peers and Treasury yields capped lower too, as traders trimmed their bets on further rate hikes in the US. But two-year yields ended the trading day finally only about six basis points lower at 321. The S&P 500 index uh, closed higher by 2.1% and above the pivotal level of 4,200 points, which our technical analysts have stressed for a while, is a trigger level for a further rally into year-end as it marks a breakout from a wide trading range. All of the index 11 sectors posted a positive performance on the day, with materials, consumer discretionary and tech outperforming, while the more defensive sectors like consumer staples and utilities, as well as energy, underperformed. The VIX index, measuring implied price volatility of the S&P 500 stocks over the coming 30 days, fell below the 20-point mark for the first time since April, signaling some comfort with market participants about the stock market's development going forward. Oil is lower today as US data on stockpiles and production signaled an easing of market tightness and some of the black gold started flowing again through a pipeline from Russia to Central Europe. Brent crude is trading just above 97 US dollars per barrel this morning. Gold was not able to trade up on the weaker dollar and currently is at about 1,790 US dollars per ounce. And Bitcoin rallied through the 24,000 US dollar mark on increased risk on sentiment. Following the CPI news, Fed officials were quick to stress that the US central bank would continue hiking rates despite the softening of inflation, saying that things have not changed that much for the Fed as inflation is still running far too hot. We'll have more on the CPI print and what it means for the Fed a little bit later from David. In other news, uh, it looks as if the Rhine River is set to become virtually impassable at Kaup, a little town west of Frankfurt, as the shallow water there chokes off shipments of energy products and other industrial commodities along one of Europe's most important waterways. It's expected that from 12th of August, the, the water will be too shallow for most barges to transit the river there. Overnight in Asia, the stock market rally continued, with tech shares spurring a more than 1% climb in Asia overall. While Japan is closed for a holiday, the Hang Seng is trading almost 2% and the Chinese onshore CSI 300 index about 1.8% higher, the latter even despite the warning of the Chinese central bank about inflation threats and the pledge to avoid massive stimulus. In Europe and the US, uh, the rally is about to continue this morning, although with weaker momentum. There is not too much data expected today. Irish inflation and Swedish unemployment data stick out in Europe, while later today we'll have the producer price indices for July released in the US, as well as initial jobless claims. 
And of course, the earnings season is still in full swing. This morning, Deutsche Telekom's outlook has missed analysts' estimates and Siemens has published a loss for the first time in 12 years. While Deutsche Telekom is trading a tad higher, Siemens was lower when I checked a few minutes ago. That's it from me. Back to you, Alex. Thank you very much, Roman. And now I'll hand over to you, David. We're looking forward to hearing your take on the CPI data. Yes, good morning. Uh, so uh, Roman mentioned it already, CPI data had been uh, softer than expected uh, yesterday reported for the month of July. Uh, that's in particular true for the headline number. And uh, this is also the, the driving force uh, which we observed in the US. Uh, why is inflation lower? Well, it was mostly due to the energy prices and here the gasoline price. Uh, this spiked considerably in June and east then in July. And the good news uh, when it comes to the inflation front is that Already now we have preliminary figure for, for, for August, and there is also the hope that gasoline prices will contribute uh, once again uh, to some easing inflation pressure. So this is, uh, of course, uh, a good starting point that uh, inflation is finally can roll over. Um, we still have, however, inflation pressure in the pipeline in the U.S., and that's in particular from uh, non-energy related. It's mostly in the rent component, in the shelter component, and this is something which will persist for a bit longer. And this explains also uh, why the inflation decline in the core inflation, which excludes food, which excludes energy, and which is uh, of much more relevance when it comes to the uh, overall economic cycle, uh, this stayed actually constant. It was a big, so it was a surprise here as well, a positive surprise, uh, because some. Uh, weaker figures had been here expected. Uh, but here, as a matter of fact, for the next months, there's still some structural uh, inflation into the system. And this explains also why uh, the Fed was so quick here uh, to signal uh, there's not a relief yet uh, when it comes to the inflation uh, battle uh, going forward. Uh, we are not here pivoting away uh, from our hawkish, from our hawkish monetary policy, from our monetary policy tightening. So here still the signals are that monetary policy will get tighter. The big, big question, and that's important for financial markets, is how much tighter? And here is, of course, the speculation, as always, about the next FOMC meeting. This will be in September 21st, so some time to go here. Um, right now, uh, the economy, the U.S. economy, seems to be quite resilient in terms of uh, like slowing. Look at the labor market, which is uh, still... Uh, very positive, uh, and inflation slowing only slowly. We still think that the Fed uh, can slow the pace of rate hikes. So uh, we are still in the, in the position that more rate hikes are coming. It is speculation of financial markets, and in particular on money markets, which sits, still expects or which still think uh, 75 basis points. Once again, 75 basis points rate hike is a possibility, is, is likely. We don't think uh, that the, the Fed will continue why? Because 75 basis points are also, in a historical perspective, quite unusual uh, rate hikes and uh, are probably reserved to situation uh, of more urgency. Uh, that's why we think uh, the Fed will feel until the September meeting or see more data from the U.S. economy confirming that the economy is slowing, uh, that the growth is slowing here, and particularly from the private uh, expenditure side and some, uh, yeah, confirmation that inflation is not rising further, uh, and this should allow the Fed to slow the pace of rate hikes. Again, monetary policy will still be getting tighter than it is right now, 
So another 50 basis point rate hike, as is our expectations, would take the Fed funds rate to 3%. Uh, so uh, this will continue for the time being for, for really pivoting away from a monetary policy tightening. We would need to see more clear indications that inflation is rolling over. And this is probably rather something for the coming year uh, than for the coming months. That's all from my side. Back to you. Thank you very much, David. Last but not least, over to you, Nicholas. Yes, thank you, Alex, and good morning, everyone. So the first order of business in this week's IC was a closer look at the credit market. After the US central bank had embarked on, a, on an unprecedented tightening path in March, credit spreads began to widen in a material way, signaling the market's concern about the risk of a hard landing of the US economy. Between March and early July, credit spreads of double B and single B rated US dollar corporate bonds almost doubled. However, following the dovish pivot of the Fed in late July, we witnessed a spread compression that was even faster than the preceding widening. Credit spreads of double B and single B rated corporate bonds are now back to their long-term median levels again. In other words, the corporate credit market is now positioning not for a hard landing, but rather for a return to pre-COVID-19 trend of low growth and moderate inflation. Going forward, it is prudent to harvest the current run rate of moderate credit risk of 6 to 8%, but we caution that the market has discounted a stabilization of both demand and price pressure. So only clear evidence that inflation is ultimately slowing towards the Fed's target would be an invitation to add to positions. And we heard from David before that this is not the case yet. The IC then briefly touched upon President Biden's flagship climate, tax and healthcare bill, formerly known as the Inflation Reduction Act or IRA. However, it was concluded that while some see the IRA as a game changer in the ambition to tackle climate change, it certainly neither provides short-term inflation relief nor a meaningful boost to economic growth. Lastly, the discussion moved to capital spending, which has been growing at an exceptional pace compared to revenue figures in the last couple of weeks. While revenues are expected to grow at 8% this year, capital expenditure is expected to increase by a whopping 24%, which undoubtedly will provide further drag on already compressed margins. Traditionally, investors are averse to increases in capital expenditure and capital-intense businesses more generally, as these companies have historically underperformed the broader market. The argument that higher spending today should translate into higher returns in the future stands to reason, but it is far from clear-cut whether it will be rewarded by investors in the near term. One thing that is clear, however, is that free cash flow generation will become even more valuable in the new investment regime of moderate but structural inflation. In conclusion, portfolios should be tilted towards companies with the ability to preserve their free cash flow production capacity and avoid those at the forefront of the capital spending frenzy. With that, back to you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.